0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. six ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to Royals Review Radio. I'm your host, Jake Milham. And here for our Thursday episode, as always, with Jeremy Greco. Jeremy, how you doing
0: tonight, man? I am visiting my family here in Georgia, and even here in the south, the temperature for the last couple of days has been in the 30s and 40s, and I am in heaven, so I'm doing great.
1: <laughs> outstanding, outstanding. Well, before we hear more about that heavenly winter weather, we do have to welcome Greg Walker to the podcast. Greg, how you doing tonight, man?
2: Hey, I'm doing good. It's not my first time on the Royals Review podcast, but it is my first time on the Jacob Milham show. So, <laughs> nice have me.
1: well, that 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 is what this is. It's the you know I would think it's more of the Jacob Milham baseball show and the Jeremy Greco with the amazing riffs and and reviews <laughs> podcast. So, <laughs> but hey, I will take it. So, thank you very much, Greg, for joining us tonight, um, Greg. Me and Jeremy are out here on the east coast and in the south. Where are you coming from tonight?
2: I'm coming from about a block north of the plaza in Kansas City. So I'm local. It is cold out. It's about to get all blizzardy tomorrow, and I'm supposed to be traveling on Friday. So it's going to be a trip. Can't wait.
1: Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't envy you. Look, we're, we're supposed to. I'm out here in Virginia. We're supposed to only get about five inches of snow this weekend, which is not bad but considering the fact that the last snowstorm we had it shut down our area for about 2 weeks because they don't have salt. They don't have plows. Like we're we're just waiting for all this to melt off like like idiots out here. But Jeremy, I hope you don't get stuck down in Georgia, man. There are better places to be stuck than a uh, Georgia.
0: Ugh. Yeah, I was I was a little jealous about the the fact that I'm not scheduled for any snow, but, but you know, I do I do want to go home eventually, so I'll wait till I get (laughs) back home before I get my snow. Um, Greg, how bad are things looking there in Kansas City?
2: I mean, right now it's just cold. I think it's supposed to start sometime in the morning. So depending on when this gets uploaded, it might have already started snowing by the time you're listening. So I'm going to get to be around for that. And then if you say it's going to, Virginia this weekend. Well, I'm going to be traveling out to Baltimore on Friday evening, so I might be experiencing some of that too.
1: <laughs> oh, man. All, all the best to you, Greg. I think you're just following the storm at this point. Are, are you driving? Or are you flying? How are you getting to Baltimore, man?
2: Oh, I am flying. I am absolutely not doing that drive. I've participated <laughs> in it before. I'm not doing it again.
1: Yeah, look, Jeremy, I, I'll i tell you this much. So I used to have to drive from Fort Meade, Maryland, which is about 20 minutes south of Baltimore, out to Manhattan, Kansas. And, man, I made that drive in one straight shot one time. And by the time I about hit Topeka, I was hallucinating glowing deer in the road like I was I don't know how I made it. <laughs> to manhattan kansas but i did man it was a 19 hour drive uh jeremy have you ever made a drive like that before
0: i've never done it by myself um i've done from atlanta to olathe a handful of times and i've done from asheville north carolina to olathe a couple of times but never by myself the last time i did it i did it uh, i want to say 2015 Um, I went up there, I was, I was auditioning to sing the national anthem before Royals game. And I got my dad to drive me up there in a, in a day. And that was, even just riding in the car with him. That was, that was not fun. And I would not recommend a a single shot trip of that nature to anyone. (laughs) No
1: doubt. No doubt. Greg, do you have any tips or tricks for long road trips like that, man?
2: Well, see, in terms of like a solo or I guess a quasi solo one, I've only really done one of those. And that was uh, the summer after I graduated high school. I took a road trip down to Houston with uh, wow. a couple of my friends. But the friend that I actually drove down with, he didn't have his driver's license at the time. So I did have to do all the driving. <laughs> I at least had company, but all the 13 hours on the highway was all me. But like 13 hours isn't that bad. Like, it's like, that's like kind of the threshold where it's OK to do it one day. Like it's tiring. It kind of sucks, but it doesn't kill you. Once you start getting up to, like, those 15-plus hours, and I don't know what to tell you. Like, take a stop. Like, don't do it in one shot. Come on.
1: <laughs> Look, I was, I was young, dumb. I made it here, and I ain't doing it again. But <laughs> here, here we are talking about travel issues and our, the Royals' newest free agent acquisition. Can't even get to frickin' town to finalize his contract with the physical Jordan Lyles, y'all. He has really filled up. The Twitter space, social media, just with everyone talking about how underwhelming this guy is. And he got two years and $17 million from Kansas City. Now, of course, all this is, I would say, unofficial, very reputable sources have talked about it and confirmed it. Um, And Rogers did detail earlier on today about why the team has not announced the move. And they have not announced a corresponding move either. Um, Greg, since you are with us tonight, if you could give us your thoughts on the Lyles signing as a whole.
2: Well, my first thought is that he comes from Hartsville, South Carolina. Do we think he lives there in the offseason or where do we think he's coming from that he's stuck? Because I didn't think the whole winter weather started hitting yet.
0: Uh, That's a good question. Jeremy, do you know? (laughs) I, I was assuming that because of the, the winter weather that was coming, they were just like, you don't don't come in here, you'll get stuck. We'll we'll do this later. There's plenty of off season left for announcing a deal. Yeah, probably so.
2: Yeah, but anyway, beyond those little things. So, you know, there's there's some organizations out there when I think of like the Dodgers, the Giants, maybe like Tampa or Cleveland or Milwaukee, that when they pick up an arm, I assume like they're they gotta see something in them that they can unlock. They have to see something that just other teams haven't been able to access yet. Yeah. But Kansas City is not one of those organizations that has my confidence on that front. And so I took just a deep dive into the stat cast and all of his stats pages, trying to find something there. And what I found, so he's got good breaking ball characteristics. I mean, he gets well above average movement on both his slider and his curveball. And he's been durable enough to pitch 359 innings over the last two seasons. That's pretty much it. I mean, he doesn't roll up a lot of ground balls. He doesn't miss bats. He has good but not elite command. And he gives up a lot of hard contact and a lot of homers. So Jordan Lyles, not a good major league pitcher, but he does fill a role and that's eating innings because the roles really had an issue with getting length out of their starters last year. They had eight pitchers making at least four starts in 2022. Only three of them averaged even five innings per start. And one of them is a free agent right now. I'll probably talk about him later. And only Brady Singer averaged more innings per start in 2022 than Jordan Lyles did. And so he does fill a role in the rotation. And unless several of the young guys kind of break out in 2023 and force him out of the rotation, you can probably pencil him in for about 170 innings with an ERA in the high fours, maybe around five. Again, that's not good, but it'll help relieve pressure from the young starters and also put less stress on a bullpen that was frequently pretty overworked in 2022. And this may be a controversial take, but I don't really see this contract as an overpay because – Fangraph's data from last offseason suggests that for players between zero and two wins above replacement, teams paid around six and a half million per war on the free agent market. So if Lyles does exactly what he did last year in 2023, then eight and a half million is right in line with market values, not an overpay nor an underpay. It's pretty much just right. And quite frankly, the bigger issue here is that if eight and a half million a year is like stopping a team from making future moves. I mean, that's not a Jordan Lyles problem. That's an ownership problem. So, like, not a sign to get excited about. Like, there's basically no upside here. But for a guy to just go out there every fifth day and soak up some innings, take some pressure off the bullpen. I mean, for that, it's fine.
0: Okay. All right, Jeremy, what do you think about it, man? So Fangraphs had a, a really good post today uh, about this. Uh, <laughs> talked about how baseball is different from every other sport in that there's no time limit. You have to get the outs. And, uh, and for some teams, you know, getting the outs is easy. You got your Max Scherzer, you got your Justin Verlander. You just go out, they get the outs. They win the game. Everything's fine. But for other teams getting the outs is an infernal slog up a a volcano carrying a boulder on your back. Um, and that's the Royals. And especially the last couple of years, that's the Royals. Jordan Lyles has the skill set that the team has lacked, which is, as Greg mentioned, the ability to eat innings. Um, That was my big complaint with the Ryan Yarbrough signing was that, you know, if they're going to bring in a pitcher who's not particularly good, he needs to at least eat innings. And Jordan Lyles will do that. Uh, You know, the thing about Jordan Lyles is, uh, again, like, as Greg also said, you know, the money is not, is not, stopping the team from making a move it's not it's not where you know oh you know we're paying him too much money we can't take him out of the rotation if other guys are doing really well uh it's it's enough money to get him to come and eat innings and if they don't need the innings eat eaten at a however you want to (laughs) make that word work uh Then uh, then you can take him out of the rotation. You haven't lost anything. So I I actually kind of like this deal. Is it the deal I want to see made? No. Because as mentioned quite a bit, I want to see the Royals go out and make some big signings and spend lots of money, but it's not going to happen. And so for given what we can expect to happen, I think this is an OK deal.
1: All right, fair enough, fair enough. Well, so Jeremy, on, on your point of the Royals going out and actually spending Buku bucks, which is we'll talk about JJ Piccolo later on in the show and maybe about our expectate, expectations for him, excuse me. So David Lesky, we all know David. I personally love his work. Go check out his Substack. stack. Uh, very much worth the every few days read. He went back and did the math and... The New York Mets, this is a little rabbit hole. The New York Mets this season alone have spent the equivalent of all of Royals' free agent spending dating back to the early 1990s. So, about right. yeah. The, uh, well, with the whole Carlos Correa thing, um, their, their spending this year alone is north of $500 million. And the Royals just, no matter the GM, no matter where they are in competition or what the market is out there, the Royals have just never spent that much money on the free agent market. Now, and they they really continue they that trend. That much. Yeah,
2: not even in spitting distance of that much. Like they've never no. been close.
1: And you know, you can you can always make the small market versus big market argument, but freaking Cohen in New York is a whole nother beast. That is, I don't even know how to approach him. I, my condolences to his tax bill, my condolences to his accountant. I don't mm-hmm. know how, I think the only people that are winning in New York are the player agents, but that is a rant for a completely other time. Uh, back to Jordan Lyles. He's a, he's a safe the guy.
0: Fans are winning right now.
1: No, I don't think they are because the freaking team isn't winning.
2: Can we acknowledge how funny it is that the owners like had to get this extra level of the competitive balance tax in there? They called the Steve Cohen tax because they were so scared that Steve Cohen was going to go spend a bunch of money and make them all look bad. And that's exactly what's happening. I mean, we have to just appreciate the irony there.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of irony. Jeremy, I, I, I see you smirking over there. What what do you got?
0: I, I just... I was saw the numbers earlier today, and, and and we were talking about the the payroll. And you add in the taxes, it's over the five hundred million. The Yankees, I think, were second with th- close to three hundred million. I can't remember if they were a little bit under, a little bit over that. So, oh, like nearly half is second place. And I'm just like, you can't tell me that the Yankees can't match the Mets for spending. You can't tell me that they can't do it. They're just choosing not to. Uh, and, and, you know, both teams went to the playoffs last year, whatever, maybe you don't need to spend that much money. If you're the Yankees and you're bringing in some better rookies than the, than the Mets have been able to do, but even the Yankees, even the Dodgers look like they're cheap right now (laughs) with Steve Cohen spending. It's just insane.
1: It is. It is absolutely mind boggling. And what, I mean, the Royals have spent, and, you know, don't forget about Ryan O'Hearn and Alberto Mondesi, what spent about $25 million this, this off season. right? Greg, is that about the number you think?
2: On um, free agents, it's 20 mil. And then if you want to add up all the ARB cases between Keller, O'Hearn, oh, Mondesi, yeah, yeah. they'll probably be 30 to 35 mil-ish. But I mean, that that's still, they're still going to have such a low payroll in 2023.
1: Yeah, it's, it's going to be crazy. And I'm, You know, I would, you both said great stuff on Lyle. So thank you very much for that insight. I really think that we do have to sit back and examine things. I remember the fan base was so energized when Moore was out and Piccolo was promoted to his position and Greg, I want you to start us off here. Do you think the fan base as a whole set some unrealistic expectations for JJ, especially in this first year?
2: I mean, I've always had a hard time kind of gauging exactly what the quote fan base is feeling because, you know, I'm pretty plugged into Royals Twitter. I'm on Royals Reviews seeing what the commenters are saying on there a lot. But there are like large swaths of Royals land that aren't on those platforms. You know, there are the, are the Facebook fans. There's probably the people that are on the athletic comment sections. And there's people that just aren't online that are still following the team regardless. So I can't speak for all of Royals land. But I will say there is definitely a segment of this online fan base that probably did expect maybe a little bit too much in terms of how different Piccolo would be from Dayton Moore. Like there was also a segment of fans that were like, well, JJ Piccolo was Dayton Moore's underling for all of those years. Like, why would he be that much different? And those are the people that are kind of looking correct because aside from kind of, showing the willingness to make changes on the coaching staff, which even Dayton Moore was willing to do every now and then. Piccolo hasn't shown any kind of real different tendencies than Dayton Moore has. I mean, keeping around all of the same players from last year, basically, and bringing in a few marginal free agents, I mean, that's not really any different than we saw from Dayton Moore for the past five years.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, Jeremy, do you what do you think about JJ?
0: I think it's too early to tell. Uh, you know, I like the coaching changes that they made because because, yeah, Dayton Moore made, made coaching changes, but the coaching changes here have a real focus on bringing analytics to the forefront of helping make the decisions. Uh, and I honestly feel like the the free agent signings are not about Dayton Moore and they're not about J.J. Piccolo. They're about uh, a, a team owner that has the ability to say, Oh, I don't have uh, money. I'm in a small market and I don't want to spend money on a team. That's probably not going to win very much. Um, you know, so I think that's, that's where that's coming from more than it's coming from, you know, is it Moore? is it typical? I think any general manager that the Royals have right now would be making similar signings. Um, because the, the owner is not giving him, you know, the, the, ability to spend. Uh, so what I will look for is, is, you know, in a, any what I want to see is, you know, is the team improving through the minor leagues or the analytics helping or the analytics helping the my, the current major league pitchers. And then I want to see, you know, when those guys are approved and the team's closer to competition, what kinds of guys do the Royals bring in to, to, uh, to make the team better at that point? Because at this point, We're just gonna get whoever we get. So are they gonna bring in guys uh, that you know have a track record of success, or guys who analytics say you know this guy can really break out any moment now? Are they gonna bring in more guys like uh, Edison Volquez and Kendris Morales and say "Mm, cross our fingers uh, they'll get out this year and everything will go great? And you know and it worked in 2015. uh, Kendris Morales and Edison Volquez had career years but then they immediately fell back off the next year. So, hopefully there'll be a little bit more foresight that goes into the to the next signings that happen for the next winning Royals team, which hopefully will be here sooner rather than later, and we'll see guys who can be successful for more than one year. Yeah, for sure. And it's a lot, I mean,
1: what in the in the grand scheme of things, JJ's only been on the job for for a few months. Um, granted he has been in a major league organization for a good amount of time. So it's not like he has to go out and network with a whole bunch of people, but he is kind of the new kid on the block at his level around the major league baseball. So wait and see, maybe it is his first year, a lot of, a lot of new things, a lot of changes going on for him. And you know what? This this might sound a little too patient, a little too blase of me, but I would rather him make too little signings than too much and have the Royals be strapped down with bad contracts or have these older aging players for a long term that just hold these younger players back. Because we all know within this podcast and within the Royals Internet community, I feel like that the young players that are on this 40 man roster are going to get this team to the next promised land. It's not going to be one or two players out there on the free agent market that could come to Kansas city. It's going to be these young guys, Bobby Wood, Jr., Brady singer, MJ Melendez, those sort of guys that get the Royals back to competitive baseball. Now, before we go any further, we do have to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors.
0: Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. sharing with us what she's learned.
2: I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. (laughs) Pretty wild.
0: Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the VergeCast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.
1: And we are back with Royals Review Radio with Jeremy Greco and Greg Walker. Now, Greg, I'm going to put you on the spot here, man. Are you ready? All righty, Greg. So, so I was
2: bearded. Yeah, hit me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw the <laughs> lips moving. I saw the lips moving. but I was just going to keep rocking and rolling with it, man. All righty, Greg. So this is actually the last Royals Review Radio podcast before the Christmas holiday itself. Now, what is the best Christmas movie in your opinion? Why?
2: Ooh, the very best Christmas movie. Well, I know the kind of meme take has just come out and say Die Hard, but, like, look, I don't really consider that necessarily a Christmas movie. And I'll admit, I'm not that big into Christmas media in general. Like, Christmas movies are kind of, you know, take it or leave it for me. I don't really like Christmas music, but if I had to pick one, like, there is one that I really do enjoy, and I watch it almost every year with my family, and that is uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I mean, I, I always just get a kick out of that one. It's just a really just goofy movie, and I like it.
1: It is a really goofy movie. I I fully agree with that. Jeremy, do you have a pick for the best Christmas movie?
0: Uh, Die Hard, obviously. <laughs> uh, you're going to go a more tradition. I I actually do love Die Hard, and I think it has. It's the same themes of Christmas. Um, it's just got more action to it, which, you know, Christmas movies, they got action in them now. Check out the the Bill Gibson movie last year, the David Harbour movie this year. Like, yeah. action and Christmas are no longer separated from each other. But uh, if you want to go a more traditional route, then my favorite one, not necessarily the best one, I guess, but the one I can stand the best uh, is probably the Santa Claus with Tim Allen mm-hmm. uh, and David Krumholtz. Um, it, it just gives me warm, happy feelings, uh, pretty much every year when I watch it. Um, like the end does at least like the middle is who it's rough. It's hard. The, the kid actor is, he's trying his hardest, but it's just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll give the nod to, uh, to, to the Santa Claus. And I know you didn't ask I'm going to go ahead and throw out for best Christmas video game. I'm going to give you Yakuza Kiwami. Check that out. <laughs> Great Christmas game.
1: Jeremy, is that going to be on your uh, playing now handle on Twitter?
0: Uh, I've, you know, I've already played it like twice. <laughs> so probably not uh, right now. But it could happen. You never know.
1: Yeah, you never know. All right, Greg, you're... Uh, you might cringe at this, but my pick for my my favorite, my most memorable Christmas movie has to be Muppets Christmas Carol. That's
2: take. It's a good one.
1: It is. So I I know it ain't for everyone. It's the, it's the freaking Muppets. Not everyone can stand the Muppets. But I don't know. I'd, I like that telling uh, of A Christmas Carol. I'd, I think it's cute. I still think it has the heart of the story itself while being more of a pg version um and honestly like that do you remember that really badly animated one they did with jim carrey as a uh, as scrooge do you remember that one i think it was like in the late 2000s no
2: i know i know no, what you're know talking about terrifying. but i'm blanking on what it's called
1: that one is terrifying Jeremy,
0: you yes. know what I'm talking about? Yeah,
1: it's absolutely no, terrible. It's got
0: that same, like, uh, Uncanny Valley as the that Christmas Train movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we were talking about that last time. Freaking it's Polar hilarious. Express with, uh, <laughs>
1: with the... Polar Express, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, it is just called The Christmas Carol 2009. Yeah, it just had that really unsettling animation style. And, yeah, Polar Express had that same sort of style. It's, like, really off-putting.
1: It is. I'm I'm very glad that we're not subjected to that in animated movies anymore as much. Um, but I, I digress. So, look, if you're out there listening, please make sure to go, you know, catch a Christmas movie. I have heard good things about I believe it's called Fright Night um, with David Harbour that's in theaters right now. I have heard great things about that one. But just go spend some time with family, go catch a movie, sit down with the with the kids and watch freaking Will Ferrell and Elf or something. I don't know. Give give them bad ideas of what adults should be like from Will Ferrell. Right.
2: I'm going to go see Avatar The Way of Water for a Christmas movie this year.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> 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 Listen, someone you could some family out there is going to start opening their presents when that movie starts for you, Greg. And by the time you leave the theater, they're going to be done opening presents. They're going to have gone to Christmas mass. They're going to have eaten a Christmas dinner. Like I have heard that movie is so long.
2: It's true. But I mean, Hey, it's, it's James Cameron look, James Cameron just doesn't miss.
1: Hey, that is, that is very true. I need to, we don't have any plans to go watch that movie. So, it just—it just seems like know.
2: the type of movie that just should be seen in theaters. So that's
1: what I'm gonna try to do. Well, and I—I I heard that about the first one. Jeremy, did you go see the first Avatar in theaters?
0: <laughs> I watched the first Avatar. Not only did I not go see it in theaters, I watched it on like a standard definition <laughs> laptop. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the impact that Avatar was supposed to have was lost on me.
1: Oh man! But the visual—I mean, hey, look—the visuals. Just, the, well, one were just, great.
0: Were, they were not hitting. for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've heard That's too. Yeah. I, I mean, that—that that was the name of the original, honestly. Because I would—I would argue that the story of Avatar is uh, Ferngully, or and there was another movie that it also is. Uh, but Ferngully is the one I always think of. Uh, It's—it just took the story of Ferngully and gave it like some massively upgraded graded graphics, and then like took all the heart out of it but uh yeah uh, if you're going to see avatar it does make a lot more sense to see it in a in a movie theater than it does to watch it on a, lap, a little tiny laptop screen jeremy i i have a beat there though man i think it was
1: the second time i watched the movie i watched it on one of the old school ipod nanos that had like the wheel on the front you know what i'm talking oh my about gosh. <laughs> So I I remember buying that movie on iTunes for like 15 bucks and watching it in my bed on that tiny, tiny, like little two inch screen. It was ridiculous. Oh, my goodness.
2: You know, the first time I I watched Interstellar, I watched it on my Samsung Galaxy S5. So I probably didn't get the full experience
1: from that one the first time around. (laughs) Probably not. You might want to give that one another stab, man.
2: Oh, I've seen Interstellar plenty of times since then. so.
1: There you go. Uh, Well, (laughs) Greg, make sure to give us a review after you go see it, okay?
2: Oh, for sure. Will do.
1: Hey, sounds like a plan to me. Well, hey, let's get back on Royals Baseball just just for a little bit, just for a little bit of time. I think that was a uh, long enough rabbit hole of movie-isms. So when I saw the Lyle signing personally, this was before the money even came out. This was before the length even came out, things like that. You look at his profile and Greg, everything you said is true. He is a, I would call him a reliable innings eater. Um, He's not consistently bad. He's not consistently great. He is okay. And he is what he is, but the there was another guy who's supposed to come back to Kansas City who fit that similar profile in 2023, and that guy was veteran Zach Granke. Um, now we have heard updates that the Royals and Zach Granke are a little farther apart on his return in 2023. So, Greg, I do want to get your opinion on this. Do you think the Lyle signing? will decrease the chances of Zach Greinke coming back to Kansas City?
2: I think it decreases it. I don't think the chances are completely gone. I can absolutely still see him coming back. I mean, they're sort of similar as kind of innings eaters, I guess. I mean, Greinke is probably, he was more effective in 2022 on a per-inning basis. All the numbers under the hood don't exactly inspire confidence because he struck out like just nobody. So don't know what you're going to get out of him next year. Lyles would would go deeper into games than Greinke usually did now like i don't think the money should be the limiting factor as we mentioned like this is not a big contract it shouldn't be stopping you and maybe the money is just where the team and cranky are kind of far apart on because i was looking at kind of other starters to sign in this price range there isn't really a perfect comp in terms of i assume Granky's probably looking for a one-year deal and if that's the case well kyle gibson and matthew boyd go, both got 10 million for one year mike leavenger got 12 cranky was better than all of them in 2022 but again don't know what you're going to get off him next year, which is some of the underlying data. Clayton Kershaw got 20 mil and he was a bit injured, but he was a lot better than Zach Granke. So Granke is not going to be getting 20 mil, but he's probably looking for something in that 12 to 20 sort of range. Don't know exactly where the team is looking for, what, where Granke's looking, but maybe they're kind of far apart there. So look, I don't think Lyle's like should be the reason why the Royals don't bring him back. Like they have the payroll to do it, but it does bring the fit into question. Because if you look at kind of how the rotation lines up now, I mean, Singer's the ace, Lyle's fills the spot. And then you have a bevy of other options because they'll presumably give Brad Keller another chance to start. On hell Zerpa and Max Castillo probably figure in there somewhere. But more importantly, you have Daniel Lynch, Jonathan Heasley, and Jackson Coar. if you still think he could be anything, will all be 26 next year. Chris Bubich will be 25. Like, it's time to sink or swim with these guys. Like, no matter what happens with the offense— if at least one of those four guys can't establish themselves as at least a mid rotation starter, then I am just going to say this rebuild has failed if that happens, because there are not enough reinforcements coming up from the minors in terms of arms to cover for those guys. They don't have the prospect capital to really reinforce the rotation via trade. And we've kind of mentioned it. I don't think ownership is going to spend the money to do so via free agency. So whether or not Grankey comes in, I don't think he even really matters that much. Like I think those young guys stepping up is really the most important thing that's going to happen.
1: Okay. Okay. Jeremy, I want to, so Greg, thank you for talking a little bit more about the numbers of it all, but Jeremy, I want you to focus on this. Does that cranky fit into Kansas city with Jordan Lyles?
0: I think that he does. uh, If the Royals want to spend the money, I think uh, uh, Greg makes an excellent point about the bevy of, of pitchers They have the fact that those guys need to sink or swim, but as we've pointed out, they have trouble eating innings. Um, and even with Jordan Lyles under contract, I don't know that they got uh, the fittings covered with with those guys. Um, and I would rather have a couple veterans like Cranky and Lyles that would force uh, a, a Bubich or a Lynch into the minor leagues to really focus on figuring out their stuff um, and, and improving rather than letting them sit in the major leagues and go, well, I'm um, in the big leagues uh, perfect, but at least I'm the big leagues, you know, it puts a little more impetus under them a little more fire uh, uh, to, to force them back into the minors and say, you got your way into this. It's not, a, we're not giving it to you. Um, So I think that would be okay. I'm a little concerned because it does sound like Zach Greinke wants to get paid what he thinks he's worth. He's not, he's not here just to pitch and earn a couple million extra dollars. He wants to get paid what he thinks he's worth on the market. Um, And if that's the case and the way the money, then then they may not be willing to to, to go up that high. Uh, I think they should. I I agree with Greg. I think they should go that high. Go give him whatever he wants. It's a one year deal. It's not going to hold you back in the years to come. You're probably not competing next year anyway. You're not going to miss that money. Uh, Well, I mean, they might miss that money because, you know, oh, I'm 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 only worth. $586 $586 million instead of $500 or $600 million, whatever. Um, so they might miss the money that way. But other than that, uh, just, just, you know, bring back Zach Granke, give, give, uh, give everybody a little kick in the rump to say, you know, Hey, go, uh, go get your stuff together. Or you won't be in this rotation.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's probably the best way for this new pitching coaching staff to approach the rotation, like promote it as an open competition. Make sure you have enough arms to actually make it a viable competition, Um, because, you know, if we're all we're all talking about how Lyles and Yarborough are these uninspiring pitchers. Well, if they're successful in Kansas City and they're beating out these younger guys, then. You know, power to them like then. The younger guys need to step up their game and actually earn their spot in Kauffman Stadium. So what what I am curious about is if the Royals lowballed Granky. like let's let's say the Royals came back to Zach Granky with just another rehashing of his contract from last year, one one year, 13 million dollars. I feel like that is more than fair especially considering his age and, and his just, he, he was okay last year. Like there, there's a lot of metrics that he severely declined in. There are some that he held steady, but he's just not the same pitcher that he once, once was. And if he can get a $13 million at this point in his career for one more year, I think that's more than fair. Um, now, if the Royals came to him with something closer into Ryan Yarbrough's contract, I I wouldn't blame him for saying no, at all. But we will we'll definitely keep a close eye on the Zach Greinke stuff. I would expect him back in Kansas City sooner rather than later. But if you want to stay up to date with all the news regarding the Kansas City Royals, please check out Royals Review at RoyalsReview.com or on Twitter and on Facebook. Now, Greg, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up, man. But Before we do, we have to hit the Royal the Royals reviews reviews. Jeremy, I said it last week. I'm gonna get that right one of these times, and this week is not it. (laughs) But Greg, what is your review next what next week? There's always next week. But Greg, what do you have for a review this week?
2: So I'm a pretty big beer guy, but I'm not usually a big dark beer guy. I don't usually drink a whole lot of stouts, but around this time of year is when I will imbibe the stouts when it's freezing outside, it just feels right. So that's what I've been sipping on throughout this episode. I have here from a Forehand brewing company over in St. Louis, I have their chocolate milk stout, which Ooh. the name, the name suggests it tastes like chocolate milk. That's not really accurate. Like, cause milk stouts, they have qualities that are sort of similar to milk and they contain lactose, but that's pretty much where the similarities ends. It's not, it doesn't have that sort of flavor, but it has like, a, a very noticeable chocolate flavor, but it's not really overpowering. It's just kind of hints of the chocolate, which is kind of the toasty sort of expression that I expect out of a stout. So this is definitely a type of beer that I'll enjoy when it's as cold as it is outside right now. So, uh, yeah, I would, I would say I recommend it.
1: All right. All right. You said that's from Four Hands Brewing, right? That's right. Out in St. Louis, Missouri. All right. Outstanding. Well, if you're looking for uh, for a new stout or or dark beard to try i say go check that out uh jeremy what do you have for a review this week
0: uh this week i'm going to go ahead and recommend Anime that I've been re watching recently because uh, the new season kind of it's been a while, so I was re watching it to get ready for the new season, uh, which I failed. It's it's already out, so I'll have to catch up on that. But uh, it's, a, it's an isekai anime, which is uh, the kind of anime where a normal person uh, uh, ends up in a video game world uh, popularized by the Sword Art Online series. Um, so this one is called Log Horizon. And uh, it's, it came out pretty close to Sword Art Online, uh, at least the first two seasons did. And it, it's got a very similar concept of game, gamers just suddenly when they're inside the video game. Um, in this case, they when they die, they wake up uh, in the cathedral, just like you might in a in a normal video game. But uh, they lose their memories. They lose some of their memories of their their real lives uh, whenever that happens. Um, so it, it provides an impetus to not die while also not making death like this permanent failure state. Uh, and it's really interesting to see the characters uh, struggle with, uh, you know, like what do we do now. We, I wasn't actually a mage or a warrior. I was a computer programmer. You know, uh, I was a stay-at-home mom and now I'm stuck in a video game and I'm just like, and and then the uh, the NPCs start to gain sentience and and they have to start dealing with that and they're also you know trying to figure out how to get home uh so there's lots of intrigue and interesting stuff going on there uh it's a very interesting anime uh for anyone who uh has is interested in kind of that genre <laughs>
1: All right. Well, thank you for that, Jeremy. And yeah, I I do. I would concur. It's been a while since I watched it. But Log Horizon is is a pretty solid watch, um, even for folks who are just getting into anime. Um, I'm going to stick with the with the series review. My wife and I were a little behind the eight ball, but we just finished up with the first season of Wednesday on Netflix. um, The new take on the Addams Family Story we we thought it was it was pretty good. There were some major plot holes that they should have addressed. Um, some of the casting choices were a little questionable, but overall, it's this very kind of dark and dark humor and very dry humor delivery of the Adams family, and we we enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, set was really well done. The story as a whole was good and very well confined to one season. So if you have had enough of Muppets Christmas Carol, then I would suggest going and watching the darkness that is Wednesday on Netflix, if you have the chance. So it has been a little bit of a long episode. Thank you very much for sticking with us. But before we get out of here, Greg, Jeremy, um, we want to know where we can find you guys on social media. So Jeremy, if you could start us off, where can folks find you on social media?
0: uh as always you can find me at twitter at hakaius h-o-k-i-u-s i've got links to pretty much anywhere else you want to find me uh there so if for some reason you don't want to find me on twitter uh you can find wherever else i am from twitter at least as long as twitter is there yes as long as it is it's a, it's getting a little questionable nowadays but greg <laughs> where can find where can folks
1: find you on social media
2: you can find me both on Twitter and Instagram at Greg, not Craig. That is Craig spelled C-R-E-G. Don't ask me why it's spelled like that. You can also read some of my writings over on Royals Review. I'll be posting a piece tomorrow about Drew Waters and the season that he had for the Royals down the stretch there. So look forward to that. And if you want to hear me talking to a microphone about baseball anymore, you can listen to my baseball podcast. I call it Bat Flips and Infield Shifts, available on Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. We will be, my co host and I, talking tomorrow night about some college baseball and some of our favorite moments from this year. So uh, check that out if you're interested.
1: Outstanding. Well, they hey, thank you very them, much. Though. Go- you
2: what is it, Jerry? They have a podcast about infield shifts. They banned them. Yeah, we've been, we've been thinking about that. Like it's going to be a vintage name, I guess. And maybe we have to workshop it a little bit. We'll have to figure that out.
1: <laughs> but hey, Ryan, o- Ryan O'Hearn approves of that name change. All right. he uh, He's not a fan of the shift.
2: A fifty OPS coming up next year for Ryan O'Hearn without the shift, um,
1: obviously. Whoo. Career year, <laughs> career year. Anywho's, okay. Well, that is a good. Uh, that's a good note to get out of here on. Um, again, I'm your host, Jacob Millham. You could find me on Twitter at jmilltheham. A lot of Chiefs and Royals content going on over there, and of course, you can find the podcast in Spotify apple um, i almost said itunes but is itunes even really a thing anymore you can find our apple podcast as well wherever you get your podcast from so to all of our listeners out there thank you very much for listening and until next time go royal.